0: the nations are the
1: gave me a vision progressively since I went to Hernhut and it's been coming in pieces into the reality that it was for here, for us I thought it was just for me but it's for this house he gave me three words the first word is the word waiting waiting I was at a lampstand meeting, and the Lord said, well, it's about time I've been waiting for you, for our team to meet. Do we honor our commitments? Do we honor our commitments to each other? And do we honor our commitments to him? We all want the promises, but do we keep ours? Whoa. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I was told when I was baptized in the Spirit in the 70s, never pray for patience. Avoid it at every cost. The other one that we don't really cozy up to is self-control. I, myself, really like having control. So to think that I'm to pray and the fruit of my prayer is long-suffering and self-control, whoa, that's kind of hard to digest, Lord. So I'm sure none of you are joyfully seeking self-control and suffering today, long-suffering. The question is, the Lord is waiting on us. We're waiting on him, but he's told me, he's waiting on you and you and you and you. He's waiting on us. He's a patient man, thank God. How do you wait? Long-suffering is defined as patient endurance, steadfastness under provocation with, and this one is, with no thought of retaliation I can be armed and dangerous looking at retaliation. The Lord really had to. Destruct, just put that down. Revelation 6:9. the martyrs asked the Lord, how long must we wait? They were told to rest and wait patiently a little while longer. I look around and I speculate many of us have asked that same question. We have been in the Lord's waiting room. Listen to me. We have been in the Lord's waiting room. He is waiting on us. We're all looking here. He's looking here. We have been in the Lord's waiting room. It's been a long season. It's been a dry season for many. Isaiah 40. But those who wait for the Lord shall change and renew their strength and power. We have a mighty army of those who have been transformed and renewed into his strength and power. Acts 1, the Lord commanded the disciples not to depart, but to wait for the promises of the Father. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to the end of the earth. So the weight yields power, renewal, and missions. It sounds like the early Moravians to me. Through fellowship, the Holy Spirit builds his body. He takes the imperfect and molds us into him. The fruit of his labor is the much-avoided word, long-suffering. How well do you wait? Uh, Have you been stuck in traffic or been in a waiting room? Are you impatient? I'm telling you, the Lord gave me the vision of the waiting room, and I saw myself. I was the fashion police officer first critiquing everybody that came in saying what are they dressed where are they going you know this is a waiting room for God for heaven's sakes and then I would be seeing people in little clusters and then people would come in and go ahead of everybody else and I'm like hey wait a minute you're cutting in line we've been waiting longer but the Lord was in the waiting room with me and he said calm down just calm down why don't you read my book I got a good book you could read the second word is longing, waiting, longing. Romans 8.38 says that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The human body reflects his body. We each have a different calling, a different anointing, and a different function But we are his body. I know sometimes I'm with the livers and I'm a kidney and I'm like, what are the livers doing today? I don't want to be with the livers. I want to be with the heart. I want to be with the eyelashes. We all criticize each other's function sometimes and we must stop. I learned about the human body from my father when he amputated his right lower leg. I watched him and went with him on the journey of when they had to cut the leg off and then the stump had to heal and he went through multiple surgeries. And although he endured physical pain beyond belief, there was a greater pain that I learned from him in private. After he had had all of the restoration and the therapy and was given robotic, unbelievable prosthetic devices, with different types of feet, different things functioned. My father would still call me in the night, weeping, aching and longing. I said, Father, what is it? Do you need a pain pill? He said, there's nothing that will take this pain away, Linda. You don't understand. There's muscle memory. There's nerve memory in our body so that when you amputate something, My father actually said he could still wiggle his toes even though he had a prosthetic device. He functioned like everybody else but yet his body ached for wholeness ached with phantom pain for that which was severed and removed from him. The devil came to kill still and destroy and yes Amputate. Jesus longs for his body to be whole. He knows the counterfeit. No matter what the devil may amputate, God will never, ever stop longing for wholeness in us and wholeness in his body. Jesus reminded me that even though he was beaten beyond recognition and bruised, His body was never severed. His body was never amputated so that when he was resurrected, his whole body was resurrected. There are no missing parts to the Lord. There's no amputation in the Lord, only wholeness. The prodigal son was longing for something greater, as many of us. But he made poor choices, as many of us. But at the heart of every prodigal is a deep longing, a deep ache for wholeness. We, with the understanding of God's longing, are about to get a whole new dimension to evangelism. We, many of us here who are in prayer and intercession and worship, we are about to ache from the Father's heart for his missing pieces. He wants his missing body parts. And we are the ones to go get it, to go to Africa and to go to Mongolia. We are part of the search and rescue. We're going to put a bulletin out today to second heaven. We want to call forth the missing pieces. We want the missing body to come together. We need you now. We want you now. We will not stop. Because why? He won't stop. His word says, nothing will separate us from his love. Nothing. The third word that he gave me was enduring. Waiting, longing, enduring patient endurance we gain the ability to sustain the intensity of his longing by waiting and as we love each other we honor him and the wholeness of his body when we love one another Hebrews 10 you need to endure so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And then James, consider it pure joy when, the face, when we face trials, because the testing of our faith produces endurance. We have been prepared in the Lord's waiting room right here. And the Lord wants you to know today, He's putting all of us on notice today. I'm telling you that He wants to give us a passion and a longing for His whole body to stop the offenses, to stop the criticism, to stop the division and the amputation. It must stop, it's not of God. The Lord says to be confident that what the Lord has done in us, and I'm looking around this room, and I'm telling you, I'm with some super long-suffering champions. I am honored to stand with people like Gene Paul, like Joe Harder. I am honored with Haley to stand And know that you have gone through it. You have gone through the long suffering. And you are champions in this house. Know this. God is calling you his champions. Today I want to declare this word over us. Because of what the Lord has revealed to me in the waiting room. Hebrews 12. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, folks, we have Cherokee, we have Moravian, we have Bob Jones, for heaven's sakes. We have a cloud of witnesses that are praying for us to champion, to champion this race. Let us also lay aside every weight. I call it the weight of the waiting room. Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Folks, we are prepared in the waiting room of God, and we are in the hour. The wait is over. We carry the fruit of long suffering and burning passion that longs For wholeness We are prepared folks When that water broke Shirley announced We are prepared People just got up and did what they do We know what our function is Even though we haven't had formal training Of what is your gift and what does you do We do it, it's in us We are a living body We are his body The vision of the waiting room I sat in the waiting room, and the Lord convicted me of my own impulsivity. I worked in maximum security prisons with some of the most dangerous men in California for 30 years. So I am hypervigilant, looking for the risk, looking for the one. And I know that many of us in the waiting room have struggled and fought with patience. But the Lord says... Every time I want to give an opinion and any time I want to fix something, the Lord will say, sit right down, dear. Sit next to me and read my book. i got a good book that will help you wait. We've got to get in his word. We've got to get into his word. So the vision of the waiting room is I was surrounded by many of you. I saw many of you in the waiting room. And in fact, I have a word for you that I want to speak to you after, privately. But this couple, this family over here that sits there, wave your hand. You, 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 you. Asia and Jim Kerr, I have a word for you, but it's private. Our waiting has built character and we are quite able to run the race set before us because we are his champions. We have endured past seasons, and now our Lord Jesus says, let the Holy Spirit navigate, just like Noah in the ark. He didn't have a rudder. The Holy Spirit was his rudder. So the Lord says to shake off the old dust and get out our rusty old keys. As the Lord is opening new doors of opportunity, transition, and acceleration that will surpass the long hardships that we have endured. What we have sustained with patient endurance will be met with his longing for victory and glory through his body. And in the waiting room I saw Pastor David and Shirley enter in, we were all sitting around and we were struggling with the weight and we were we weren 't perfect folks, but the Lord said, "Wait i 'm waiting on you." so in walks pastor and Shirley Pat, remember the movie the old music man the old uh, music man seventy six trombones David, you entered and you had a big one of those big hats on like the drills you know with feathers. they were white eagle feathers all over his cap, meaning that he is leading leading revelators. He had little legs, and he, at first he was walking with little steps, and then your legs grew so long, David. You took long, like, marching steps. And the Lord said, David, you are my cheerleader. You bring good cheer to those who are impatient. And Shirley walked behind him with a, st- a staff, and she was walking, and she had, like, things on her shoulders, like military. And he said, Shirley, you have authority. You have yet To operate in, you have authority. So I want us today, two things, to pray for Pastor and Shirley about something the Lord said. Just follow me in this, folks. Father God, you've told us that we have endured. We have endured. We have endured. And I want right now to pray for Pastor and Shirley. For every word of impatience, everything that has been spoken over leadership in this house that has said, you aren't doing it right, and we've got to move ahead, and we've got to do this, and we've got to do that. Lord, I break off all of that from the body of Christ, off of David and Shirley. Lord, they are champions and they are leading us in this house. And we want to honor them. And we ask, Lord, for more, more, more of the good cheer and the message of revelation that you are getting, giving, David. And Lord, we repent for our impatience with you, for thinking we missed something. You are not on time. I didn't do something right. I didn't go to the right conference and I didn't read the right book. Lord, we repent for our impatience with you because you're waiting on us. You are waiting on us to be whole, to be your body. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for thought, word, and deed of impatience and for not longing for not only you but for one another. I believe we're going to ache In the next decade, we are going to ache for each other. And the next thing I want to say is I'm put on notice today. I'm a prodigal. Right now, I put on notice a missing persons report of every prodigal son and daughter of this house. I say, Father, send your holy angels, send the hounds of heaven to bring your prodigal sons and daughters home, Lord. It's not because I want it, it's because you want it. You are longing for that which has been amputated from our families. So, Father, we agree with you. We long with you. Release the longing heart of Father God upon everyone that hears this message. In Jesus' name.
0: I want you to go to Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Job chapter 33 real quick. You guys it's with me? We're not going to spend a lot of time because I want to have baptisms this morning, but I wanted, I felt like I was going to do this again, so we're going to do it again. Say do it again. Because some of you have not heard this, and you've got to hear it. But you know, in Acts, it says that I'm going to pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters. And what will your sons and daughters do? They'll prophesy. How will that happen? Well, young men it gives many ways, but it says young men will see visions. And your old men will do what? They're going to dream dreams. And uh, but on my men servants and on my maid servants, they will prophesy. And then God's going to do a lot of things. There'll be signs and wonders in the heavens. But right at the end of that text in Acts, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, all of the gifts and all that God's done in us was not to puff us up or to make us superstars. It was to ignite us and to equip us for the harvest that he longs for. There's a great... Harvest of souls Just like Linda was speaking Referring to this morning And one of the ways that God speaks to us Is through dreams How many of you have ever had prophetic dreams Many of you have Now just because I share this A lot of you are going to have more dreams Because of this Because that's what the word of God does The word is like the seed that's sown out and it stirs up the faith and then the Holy Spirit waters it But anyway, look in verse 14 of Job 33 For God may speak in one way or in yet another How many of you know he's a speaking God? The problem is, our, not that God's not speaking The problem is with our hearing How many of you know that? Sometimes we have difficult hearing it may be, Maybe it's not difficult Maybe we don't trust what we're hearing Maybe we're, we're occupied, we're doing something else, but God may speak in one way or another, yet man does not perceive it. Well, here's what God does. He interrupts our, our lack of perception in verse 15, in a dream and a vision of the night when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds. Then he opens the ears of man. How many of you know that if God doesn't open our ears, they won't be open? You know, we can do all we can. We can shout and we can set the alarms and you do whatever you whatever but if god has to open your ears he has to open our eyes we can't see in fact the scripture says those that are that say they see they're the ones that are blind but those who confess their blindness they're the ones god will give sight because he wants us to see beyond what our what our natural normal ability would would bring us but in a dream and a vision of night when deep sleep falls upon men when slumbering On their beds, then he opens the ears of men And seals their instructions He turns man from his deed Conceals pride from man Keeps back his soul from the pit And his life from perishing by the sword So you notice right there There are a number of things that God accomplishes In giving us a prophetic dream But the main thing is He seals our instructions Throughout my Christian life God has spoken to me through dreams and, and really visions but, but dreams primarily now my hope is not in the dream my hope is in his word and you know it's Isaiah chapter eight it says when, when they come to you if they do not come bringing this word it's because they have no light in them so we don't put total trust in someone's dream or vision how I many of you know that you can be led astray you must be rooted and grounded in the word of God. And whatever dream you have, it has to be supported. Obviously, it has to get found, there must be the foundation in the scripture. But God has spoken to me many, many times, and I'm just gonna remind you that to get to this new dream and then we'll get back, and then I'm gonna release it. I like church like this. I like this, this is really good, can we stay here? I don't like it where it's comfortable and you have everything planned out, you know what you're gonna do. I have no idea anymore what I'm gonna do. And if you hadn't come to me, I wouldn't have known what to do, but then you came and so things changed. But my, one of my um, powerful dreams that I had, I was working at Morningstar, I'm not gonna go into the big detail, but I started out stuffing envelopes. I worked in the mail room. That's how I started. And I'll never forget the day I told Shirley, I am so grateful I get to stuff envelopes for a big ministry now they weren't that big then But to me it was big it was bigger than where I came from And I was stuffing envelopes and I was I was the voice on the uh, little cassette Welcome to the word of the month you know the morning star I was the voice And anyway they promoted me I guess because I was rejoicing that I was stuffing envelopes Because I really was I I wasn't there to gain a platform or to go to the next level or be anybody I was happy I was was just being We were young parents and it was a lot of fun But anyway they promoted me to being Rick's assistant And then the day came Where I had a dream Where Rick was driving And I was sitting in the passenger seat And I saw a group of people And I, I knew I had to go be with those people And so Rick stopped the car, and I said, Rick, I've got to go be with those people in the dream. And then I get out, and I walk toward the people. I realize now that was a bunch of people in Mississippi where there was going to be a little move of God, where we had revival in uh, Columbia, Mississippi. But I remember on the way, when I got out of the car, I turned around. I said, Rick, see you later. And then I went on. So I resigned right after that. It wasn't too long because the Lord spoke to me. We had a move of God in Mississippi that wrecked me. I'm not satisfied with anything less today than what I saw, but much more. He's going to do way much more than that. But anyway, I always wondered, God, what did it mean, see you later? Well, it meant see you later. About 10, was it 10 years? Seven years. You know, seven's better than 10 anyway. Seven is a great number. Seven years later, how many of you, God's moved at times through sevens, and you know, seven years, and seven months, and seven days. But anyway, seven years later, I went back to Morningstar. We moved up here, and I, I wasn't looking to be the pastor. I was writing discipleship material, and then another dream happened. Bob Jones showed up in my dream, and Bob appeared at at the end of my, of the foot of the bed, and he stuck his hand out and said, "Arise." And in the dream, I'm just reporting. Okay, I'm just reporting. This is not, I'm not being spooky. But in the dream, I literally rose up. But anyway, it was right after that that Rick came to us, and he said, "I want you to pray about being the pastor." I already knew. The Lord said, "Arise," so I arose and I became the pastor. And then there've been other dreams along the way and. That uh, you remember, this is one of the dreams God gave us with the presidential prayer watch In this dream, I'm speaking about President Trump with this old man sitting at a table The old man was not an old man, the old man was God that I look back Because the old man, I'm sorry I didn't mean to call you old But anyway, he stood up in the dream, pointed his hand We were talking about all the people that are criticizing him And this man stood up, pointed his finger If he would have pointed his finger at me I know I would have died But he pointed it out to, I guess the nation He said, do not touch my anointed ones Do my prophets no harm And I knew what God was saying God's going to deal with those Now I'm not saying Donald Trump is a prophet But I'm saying he's an anointed one And in some ways he's a prophetic voice God raised him up God raises up kings and he brings them down Reminds me of that scripture in Psalm chapter 2. You remember how it opens up? The nations are raging, the people are plotting vain things. Remember how God says He's responding? How many of you remember that? He's laughing. Now, why is He laughing? What could possibly be funny? Especially in this hour. Because God knows something we don't know, obviously. But how many of you know he doesn't he continue laughing? I've heard a lot of people preach on that scripture and they, they left it right there that God is just in some perpetual state of laughing. He's not laughing. He stops, he says, and then he will speak to them in his derision and he will speak to them in his wrath. So there comes a time when God's no longer laughing and he rises up and he speaks out of his wrath. Now if I understand correctly that i think the lord is saying that the time of laughing is over anyway that's one of the things that we uh, and then there was a dream i had when i was the early days no 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 we were here probably five years ago i was in a, a vision with a field with masses number of people massive people they were everywhere and i knew that when i walked through i was walking through the middle of the crowd and when i got to the end There was a platform and they were expecting me to get up and say something. And I remember walking, looking at the people. And they wanted to know, what's the word of the Lord? What is God saying? And I kept thinking, God, what in the world am I going to say when I get there? I don't know, what am I going to say? I don't know what to say. You ever been that way? Lord, I don't know what to do about this. Well, anyway, I stood up on the platform. I looked out over the massive number of people and I said, this is the greatest hour in all of history. And anyway, the dream ended. And then a few weeks ago I shared with you guys about the dream about Joe Burrow. Some of you don't even know who Joe Burrow is, it's no matter it doesn't matter. I know who he is. And I had the dream on the night before he won the Heisman Trophy. And I spoke to Joe Burrow and I said, "Joe, we've been waiting for this moment all of our lives." And I knew it wasn't just a word for him because he's only 20 what? 22 years old. He hadn't been waiting that long to win the Heisman. It was a word to me. It was a word to the church. That this is the hour that we've been waiting for All of our lives Now dreams have marked my life I'm just telling you And I believe that this dream That I'm going to share with you again Because somebody needs to hear it Some of you never heard it before Others of you, you've heard reference to it But one of my great goals in life Was to meet Billy Graham When I was in college he was, uh, was a freshman, and he was going to speak in Jackson, Mississippi, at the Coliseum. And I grabbed, I was in Monroe, Louisiana, and I heard about it, and I grabbed my friend. I said, let's go. We're going to Jackson. We're going to hear Billy Graham, with the hopes that I would get to meet him. A little college kid, 19 years old, thinking I'm going to meet Billy Graham. But they gave the invitation that night, and I was one of the first ones down I was renewing my, you know, commitment to the Lord and and all of that. I'd been called to preach. But I had another agenda in mind. You ever ever know anybody have an agenda in mind? Anyway, I I wanted to meet him. So after they prayed, I went over and stood along the fence waiting as if I was going to get to meet Billy Graham. So Billy Graham comes down from the platform and he's walking by. And then he walks in front and then he walks right on by. And I didn't get to meet him. I remember, all the way back, I kept thinking, God, I missed it. I missed the moment. I wanted to meet Billy Graham. Well, I did meet him. About 15 years after that, I met him in a dream. Now, some—how many of you remember this dream? Some of you. How many of you don't? Okay, this is for you. And in the dream, he had died. And I knew I can still hear that sound today. It was like I heard a uh, whoop, this vault opened up. And I can still hear that sound as if it was just happened last night. And, uh, but I, in fact, for many years, I wondered, maybe the dream was for now. But no, it wasn't until he died. And then I wondered, well, when in the world is he going to die? Because he lived almost to be 100 years old. And he died a few years ago. But in the dream, he died. He walked out. And he greeted his son, which to me sound pretty, um, you know, that looked pretty good. That's appropriate. Greet your son, Franklin. Shook his hand, and then he started walking on around. And in the dream, I'm thinking, you know, this might be another opportunity for me to meet Billy Graham. So there's a couple, there's a bench in the dream, and there's a couple from England sitting on the bench. I don't know why, how I knew they were from England, and to this day, I don't even know what that meant. But I go and I sat down. I thought, if I sat by this couple, maybe I'll get to meet him because it looks like he's heading in that direction. So I go and I sat down, and I look up, and Billy Graham is carrying these books in his hands, two large books. Over the years, the Lord spoke to me. I believe he confirmed one of them was empty. And one of them was full. One of them represented all the people that came to Jesus as a result of the, the crusades and the things that happened under the Billy Graham Evangelist Association. The other one was empty. And I believe what the Lord said. The other one is going to be filled with a last day harvest. The names of people that are going to be saved from all over the world as a part of a last day harvest. Well, that sounds pretty exciting. But anyway, I'm sitting there. Billy Graham comes. He greets the couple from England. And then he comes and stands in front of me, and some of you remember the story. He dropped something on the ground. I reach down and I pick it up. It's his keys with an S. I kick the keys. So I end the dream. I'm holding the keys of Billy Graham. Now over the years, I've always known that that was not a single individual key for one person. There were keys intended for many to receive that would help fill that empty book up with the souls of men and women from all over the earth as a part of a last day harvest of souls. And after Linda spoke to me, I thought, you know, sometimes people misplace their keys. You ever misplaced any keys? I misplaced some this week and surely found them for me. And I've learned when I lose something, ask her. She has a remarkable, no, listen, I lost something in this little field one time when we were in my wedding ring. In a field. Oh, it was in the doghouse. That's where it was. I spent time in those early days in the doghouse. And I lost my ring. And she goes in and digs around in the, In the hay in the doghouse And finds my ring I didn't know I lost it in the doghouse Anyway that's a silly story Okay how do I get back on the main thing Oh yeah Oh and they can become rusty You know so I believe the Lord said Get them out Tell the story again Because some things will not happen Until it's the timing of the Lord You know, there's the fullness of time. Jesus, the Messiah, was prophesied. You can read it all through the Old Testament. But it didn't happen until the fullness of time. And there's some things that will not be implemented until the appointed time. So from Little Moravian Falls, North Carolina, and Mark reminded us, don't say that. Because there are big things that are happening here. We're going to release the keys to the nation. And to you because you're here And I'm going to stir them up myself Does that make sense to you guys? Go to really, really quick To Jeremiah chapter 1 Jeremiah chapter 1 We'll go through this quickly Then we're going to pray And if you have never been Or if you have been It doesn't matter We're going to have baptism after We have all the clothes you need We have everything And uh, we'll help you. But then you get, I'm telling you, the Lord's touching people in the baptismal waters. But look at this, Jeremiah chapter 1, and uh, verse. we'll back up in verse 1. It's in verse 2. It speaks about to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. And then in verse 3, it also came in the days of Jehoiakim. Then in verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to me. Say, the word of the Lord came to me. That should... Confirm to us that there are times and seasons when God's word is released over a generation. But it's not just about being released over a generation. We want the word of the Lord to come to us. We want to hear and then respond. And there's something about those seasons of waiting. And then the seasons when it's like everything breaks open. It's like last night when that lightning bolt struck our yard and knocked things out of commission look in this he says in verse 4 then the word of the Lord came to me saying before I formed you in the womb I knew you before you were born I sanctified you I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations we're going to look through this really quickly but the first thing is he said I knew you before I formed you I knew you how many of you know that God knows your name he knows exactly where you are he knows your address He knows where you've been he knows where you're going for many of you god gave you the name that you have probably all of us i know he gave me my name how many of you believe he gave you your name many people believe that now not every name well you know you think about jabez probably didn't he probably wasn't convinced of that because his name meant pain sorrow he was causing sorrow but then god used jabez anyway so there's a something about our name. And in fact, in Revelation, he says, I'm gonna give you a new name of which nobody else knows. So there's something about the name. Now his name is exalted above all other, but he knew our name and then he formed us. What does that mean? It means he put in us the exact DNA that he wanted. He, want, he made us like he made us to be. We're not to be like anybody else. I'm not to be like Billy Graham, though he was my hero as a, as a boy. Growing up And as I wanted to meet him And I did get to meet him In a dream Still God formed and fashioned us To be exactly who we're called to be Nobody's going to be like you You got to be you So you can fulfill the will of God Amen You know what I'm talking about So I knew you I formed you Now if there's ever been a scripture for abortion That's it Before you were born I sanctified you I set you apart So what is abortion Abortion it's aborting those that god has sanctified it's murder and i ain't gonna back down i don't care who that offends because you know there is forgiveness how many of you know there's forgiveness but we can't be so afraid of offending those who have been forgiven that we can't still remind the world that it's a grave sin in fact the whole nation the ground is crying you talk about lightning i tell you there's blood crying out from the land across this nation it's going to have to be dealt with sooner or later. I wonder if God is still laughing about abortion. I don't think he's laughing at all. Anyway, I sanctified you. I ordained you. That means I appointed you. There are divine appointments. Now, there's some big appointments. There are also some small appointments that are just as big, just like Mark was telling us, right? A phone call. Can you come pray? It's a divine appointment. They obey. God shows up. A testimony now is going to probably be shouted over into Iran, resulting in a great harvest of souls. Just because somebody said, okay, I'll go. And you're ordained of God. Then I said, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I'm just a youth. In other words, Jeremiah was making excuses. No more excuses. Did you hear what I'm saying? There are no more excuses. All of your excuses are flimsy little Meaningless It doesn't matter Listen the blood of Jesus is enough The cross the message is enough The Holy Spirit Do you know the Holy Spirit Do you know who lives inside of you Our excuses They're not going to carry any weight But the Lord said to me do not say I'm a youth For you shall go to all whom I send you And whatever I command you You shall speak do not be afraid Of their faces For I am with you to deliver you Says the Lord Now there's a whole lot more we can say Then the Lord put forth his hand And touched my mouth Behold I put my words in your mouth I remember a conference I was attending It was a James Robison Bible conference And I went forward And literally I imagined Now those days I didn't know I, I didn't know you, what I was imagining Was probably I'm seeing what God's doing But I imagine this angel Coming from the altar With you know this fire Touching my mouth Anyway it was an amazing experience I, I go back to that And I'm telling you that was a real deal How I many of you know this stuff is real yeah. Stuff is real stuff I'm telling you I'm going to ask the Lord to touch many of you this morning With that same fire Because there's, a, You know one thing about When the word of God Yeah dwells up here And then you get it down in here There's another thing when it comes out here If it's dwelling in here And there's something that that God wants to do But anyway He wants to do it today So anyway he goes ahead and describes Jeremiah's ministry And then he says in verse 12 Then the Lord said to me You have seen well for I am ready To perform my word What What did you say to us? That God was waiting on us God is ready He's ready to perform His word in the nation. He's ready to back up the dream That he gave me 30 years ago He's going to back it up He's ready to perform his word Then the word of the Lord came to me a second time And so in verse 13 That freed me up That I could share this again Because even the Lord spoke A second time Reminded and then in verse 17 Therefore prepare yourself And arise and then you'll look over in verse 19 They will fight against you how many of you know there are going to be battles yet you've not walked through? But look at the next part. But they shall not what? Prevail against you. Why? For I am with you, says the Lord. So what do we do about all this? Well, we could say that was a great calling that Jeremiah had. Wow, this is great historical. No, no. We can embrace whatever was written beforehand Was written for whose example? For ours On whom the ends of the ages have come And so what we do is Is we prepare And we arise In the hour Here's what Jeremiah had to do He had to hear the word of the Lord He had to believe and had to receive That it was a word to him How many of you know God speaks to us individually Some of you are hearing things I hadn't even thought about saying But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning Next he had to accept who God had made him to be You just accept Jeremiah obviously had some insecurities He said I'm just a youth who's going to believe me How can I go And then he had not to fear the opposition I mean if you know there's opposition today If you get up to do the will of God, you're going to have opposition. You'll either give in to the opposition or give in to the will of God, and the opposition will fall by the side. I'm telling you, they'll never go away, but they're going to hang around. But they will not prevail. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm glad it's taken this long. You know, we've had to endure some things around here. Thank God we've had to endure Good things come to those that endure In fact Jesus said something about He that endures to the end So there's something about Enduring you don't fear And then we had to do as he commanded We hear the Lord we do what he says We had to speak we, Jeremiah had to always Remember that God was with him Even to the end of the age you know, there are a lot of things going on right now. There's great distress of nations. What did you tell me? There's a volcano about to erupt in the Philippines and people literally are running for their lives. Right now, running for their lives, trying to get out of the way. So we know they're going to be distress of nations. There's great deception. If I had a lot of time, I would talk to you about the weather. But I'm telling you it's not as it seems There's a great deception There's a sinister thing going on To deceive the people Oh Lord This is the day where you know the Lord said in Daniel The wicked are not going to understand If I told you what I know about the weather You would think No you guys would love me There are many people that would think I've lost my mind altogether But it's true and but the wicked are not going to understand. But the wise, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? What does Daniel say? Tell us, hey, Adeline, what are the wise going to do? You're the only one speaking here this morning. They will understand. The wise are now who are the wise? He that wins souls is what? You, maybe I should speak to the ones watching. Who are the wise? They're those that win souls, okay? So anyway, Jeremiah had to believe that God was ready to perform his word and then he had to prepare and arise. Now, back to the dream real quick. There are many keys. It was for a specific time after the death of Billy Graham, but the keys were given to those who would receive them to fill the book up that was empty with the names of people all over the earth That are going to be saved At the end of the age yeah. You know there's a scripture in Hosea 6.11 It says oh Judah A harvest is appointed to you Can I prophesy over you and over you this morning That there's a harvest appointed to you And I don't know what that harvest is going to look like To you but I know That there's a harvest appointed to you And you know know what the real key really is? It's the Holy Spirit Really it's the Holy Spirit It's Not by might nor by power But by my spirit saith the Lord For he that is coming Shall baptize you With with fire And with the Holy Spirit Amen? Amen So we had to do that again How many of you that was the first time you ever heard that dream? Well praise God How many of you the second time? Ah, That's not bad How many of you the third time? (laughs) That's okay I'm glad Because I don't care I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit And he said do it And he said pray So anyway If you want those keys stirred up in you If you want the Lord to touch your mouth, stir up the word of the Lord, to speak afresh through you. I want you to stand, and then we're going to pray over people watching. But I'm going to pray for fresh stirring. In fact, I'm standing because he gave me those keys. And if anybody should be activated, it's me. But it's you too because you're here. You're part of the family. You've got a great mission. There's a harvest awaiting over in Lenore. Yes. There's a harvest waiting yes. in Kenya and Uganda and the Philippines. There's a harvest waiting all over the earth. So anyway, okay, Lord, how do I do this? It's just receive. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you Jesus So Lord we pray by faith For everyone in this room And everyone that's watching Lord I right now You said Freely you receive and freely you give And I thank you God That you gave me those keys To give them away And so Lord by faith I take them I shine them Polish them Whatever it is, Lord, I get them out of the hay, whatever. I just, by faith, I release the keys to everyone in this room, everyone watching, and by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I agree with what you said. Your son said, do not say. Do you not say there are still four months and then the harvest? I say to you, lift up your eyes to the hills because the fields are already white unto harvest. And so, Lord, I pray right now that the keys to a great harvest of souls would be loosed, released over this nation. We call forth the nation, this nation, to the harvest that's been appointed to America. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth who rose from the dead, the true and living one, the name that is above all names. Lord, we pray from the east coast to the west coast, from the Canadian border, To the Gulf of Mexico, to Texas, and Oklahoma, to Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Missouri, and Maine, Massachusetts, Indiana, Iowa, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Tennessee, West Virginia, North and South Carolina, Utah, Missouri, Arkansas, Idaho, Iowa, Washington, Oregon, God, New Mexico, Lord. I can't remember Colorado, California, Hawaii and Alaska, Minnesota, New Hampshire, Vermont, Rhode Island, New York. In the name of Jesus.